Om Jnana Timinandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Jakshurun Meditaniena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurai Pushpavanto Chitra Sando Tamarado Vandeham Shri Ramakrishna Abhaya Charnasago Sukado Paramanando Sundaro Subalapriyo Vancha Kapa Tarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Vyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Okay. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, a little preface, this is my first real time-giving classes. So so we have a learning experience. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm very introverted, so it's definitely taken a lot for me to share. Um, so please be patient um, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get something out of these classes. Um, so this series is titled Prahlad, Simple Hearted Devotion. Um, I, really wanted to dive into the idea of simplicity. Um, it's something that I find very attractive. Um, my, I mean, personally for my specific nature, um, simplicity is like, uh, it's essential. Um, and I found um, to the extent that I've been able to cultivate it um, in a devotional way. Well, we can get into that uh, different types of simplicity, but the extent I've been able to cultivate simplicity in a devotional context, uh, I found it very nourishing for my sadhana. Um, if we're not careful, bhakti can become very complex. Um, <laughs> because we're very complex so naturally we, we have to even something as simple and uh, beautiful as bhakti um, and I think the desire for simplicity um, not only is it really important I think it um, I should say the uh, facet of simplicity. It's not only very important, I think it's also very desired. Um, I think a lot of people are devotees, uh, find that quality or that um, element um, to be very desirable and have, um, and really want to implement that in their lives, in their sadhana. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a very interesting term. It's used a lot 
um, say to be simple hearted, simple minded, um, simple for the simple, simple living, high thinking. Um, but to actually get into what is simplicity, um, what are the elements of it in the context of devotion um, is kind of the focus of this series. Um, sorry, my, my notes are a little messy here, but um, so with simplicity, um, I naturally went to Prahlad, um, partly because I was reading on uh, Nard visiting him in the Brihad Bhagavatamrita at the time. Um, so, and I, I hadn't really studied Prahlad Chari, I, I was feeling. Um, in an in-depth way, um, especially given the emphasis and the um, um, example we see of Mahaprabhu um, hearing the Prahlad Charit from Gadadhar over and over again. Um, and speaking of which, it's uh, Gadadhar's appearance day this month. So uh, we, we think we have, um, I should say, I hope we have his blessings um, to try to say something um, about Prahlad. It's, it's also the appearance and disappearance of Bhaktivala Bhattirtha Maharaj this month, um, who wrote a book on Prahlad Charit. And Guru Maharaj often likes to quote um, the, I don't know if it's the introduction of that book, um, or he says, if those who say they've heard Prahlad Charit have, have not actually heard it. Um, I was reading a, a translation of the preface or something to that book and Bhaktivala Bhattirtamaraj mentioned that progress means same thing, new taste. Um, so <laughs> um, I think we can apply that especially to Prahlad, um, given the uh, example we have of Mahaprabhu hearing over and over again. And, um, um, there's many different reasons one could say why Mahaprabhu was hearing the Prahlad Chari over and over, over and over again from Gadatha, how he was finding new taste um, from the same narrative each time. Um, but I think one reason could be that um, Pallad really embodies the foundational qualities of, um, of a devotee. Um, some have designated him, considered, I think Vishwanath have considered Pallad as a Dasya Bhakta. Um, others like, um, Pujapad Sridharmaj, um, following Sanatana Goswami's kind of thread in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, where Narad visits Shiva, then Prahlad, then Hanuman. Um, Hanuman, obviously, being a Dasya Bhakta, um, Sridharmaj considers Prahlad a Shanta Ras Bhakta um, in that kind of spiritual hierarchy of Rasa. Um, so, 
I think um, you know, Shanta means peacefulness. I think simplicity and peacefulness um, definitely have a a very kind of interwoven dynamic. Um, if one's peaceful at heart, peaceful at mind, then then naturally they'll conduct themselves. They'll um, their relationships, their inner life will um, follow in kind of a simple a simple manner. Um, they won't be so, uh, you know, like uh, Maya is kind of like a web, <laughs> um, a very intertangled web, uh, which is just like the opposite of uh, simplicity, right? Interwoven complexity. Um, of course, there's a, another kind of interwoven complexity in, in um, kind of higher Rasic uh, considerations, but kind of on the foundational baseline, um, we could say to kind of like undo this web of complexity um, and to not be, uh, you know, not have ulterior motives, um, not to be sly or facetious or, um, you know, if we say something, someone uh, thinks it's true because it's, it's straightforward, it's one-pointed, it's simple. Um, that's kind of the simplicity that uh, Prahlad embodies. Um, and I think those qualities as a embodiment of kind of a foundation of devotion, um, if you kind of think of Prahlad in that way, I think he's a very pivotal person for sadhakas to uh, meditate on um, remember the qualities of the, the pastimes, the tolerance, the compassion um, as, a, as a young boy. Um, so one way I was thinking of Shantarasa, if we take Prahlad to be in Shantarasa, um, is, is almost like the nishta of rasa. Um, in the sense that nishta is like um, the interim goal um, on the way to bhav and prem, the higher stages. Um, nishta is kind of something that a sadhaka in a nishta bhajana kriya can identify with. It's it's a little harder to identify with uh, bhava or prem when one's still in the Baba Sindhu of uh, material life, it can be a little <laughs> disconcerting <laughs> um, to try to even think about the agony of separation of the gopis or the gopas um, when one is feeling anxiety um, in a material suffering way. So a lot of times Nishta has been uh, described as like the interim goal kind of steadiness, um, uninterrupted bhakti. Um, and in that sense, it's, it's kind of like the doorway um, when the intelligence is fully absorbed, engaged in bhakti. Um, and once bhakti is steady, uh, it's not it's not tripping, 
it's 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 steady. It's kind of um, it's gradual, but it's steady. Um, so it it's it's allowing progress um, to accumulate, allowing momentum to build. I often think of sadhana. It's like momentum is a very powerful element of sadhana. Um, and you can really see when you don't have momentum in your sadhana, um, if you've been out of kind of a good rhythm and uh, good sangha for a while, then just to like pick up the beads or just to hear a class or it can be hard. Um, um, naturally, devotional thoughts won't be arising. Um, kind of... Um, in one's, one won't see one's life naturally in a devotional way. Um, if that momentum's not there, there has to be more kind of effort to get back on. But if one is uh, able to find steadiness in such a way that momentum can build, um, you know, not like, <laughs> not like waves of momentum necessarily like bhava, but kind of steady momentum can build if you have a foundation for that. Um, where that momentum will, will take you is, um, is, is unlimited. Um, if you can allow, if you can kind of contain it, um, give it a proper vehicle to grow in. Um, so, yeah, so just as Nishta is this kind of, um, this doorway to the higher stages of sadhana bhakti and bhava and prem, um, I was thinking we could see Shantarasa as a doorway to the higher rasas um, in the sense that it embodies a lot of foundational qualities um, that need to be in place for the higher rasas, uh, Sakyaras, Vatsayaras, Madhuryaras to manifest um, and um, I think one thing that's um, really important is for anything like Nishta or Shantarasa, when we talk about it as like a doorway, it's not something that you walk through and, and say goodbye to. Or, um, I think it's, it's very um, helpful to see these um, aspects express themselves in the higher parts of, of sadhana or higher rasas. Um, because if we don't, I don't think they're as inspiring to us. Um, I don't think we can really fully identify with them in the same way. Um, if you just see nishta as an interim goal, with no expression in the higher stages, um, then the aspects of nishta, um, like uh, steadiness and kind of um, um, kind of grounded in the philosophy, these these aspects, um, they won't be as inspiring if you don't see them playing out in the higher stages and, and same with Shantarasa or 
we could say in this aspect, um, simplicity, the quality of simplicity. Um, if you see that having no expression in the Vrajlila um, or Gorlila, then it's not really, I mean, you'll think it's important, like any of these foundational qualities, um, like tolerance, um, humility, compassion, uh, material detachment, um, any of these foundational qualities, if you see them having no expression in the absolute attainment, then you'll see them as kind of like a, um, an inch, just an interim goal. Um, and then, yeah, I know they should be cultivated, but they don't really, I don't really identify with them on like a deep heart level um, in such a way that I'm going to change my life and constantly um, integrate these aspects and identify with them um, in an eternal way, not just as an interim way. Um, and so like, if we take, um, well, I guess one, one kind of other note I had was, um, in that connection, uh, Guru Maharaj, uh, often talked about how Shudamaj wouldn't necessarily talk about the highest aspects of rasa and bhakti, but he'd talk about kind of the most foundational qualities, lower, lower qualities. <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of that word, but, but foundational qualities. He would talk about them in the highest way um, to their, their highest expression. Um, you know, taking something that a sadhaka is working on and showing how that, what's the fullest expression of that. Um, and so if we were to look at, um, simplicity and say, okay, well, we're looking at simplicity in this series and as something to identify, to cultivate, to work on, um, to understand what it is. What, what's the expression of simplicity in Braj? Because that's our goal to enter um, the Rajlila as either a Gopi or a Gopa. So how is simplicity expressing itself there? And I think you could say on an external level, it's pretty simple. Um, the simple village cowherd setting. Um, they're just herding cows, um, churning milk, turning yogurt into butter. Um, it's... <laughs> It's a very kind of bucolic, simple setting. Um, it's a village setting. Uh, it's not a complex metropolitan area. So you could say, yeah, externally it's simple. Um, but I think if you look a little deeper, the, um, the internal life of the devotees and Krishna is, is not very simple. Um, you have, I mean, of course, when you talk about like a breakdown, uh, like the top of the level, you know, each devotee has their stai bhav. Um, they see Krishna in this way. And so 
naturally that study Bible will be uh, excited um, by different Udipanas, uh, which may um, cause like a transitory emotion. I think it's a Vidya Chariba, which, um, which will lead to different kind of ecstatic sattvika bhavs. Um, and how will they express these complex, uh, exciting emotions? They'll, they'll express them in Parokshavad, um, which means like indirect. Um, in, <laughs> Krishna likes indirect language very much. Um, so even if they're feeling something, they'll express it in, in kind of another way, um, in a hidden way. So everything's kind of like hidden. I mean, the whole, it's all centered around Radha and Krishna, and that's hidden. So <laughs> it's, 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 this place isn't simple at all. It's, it's very complex. Um, but I think you almost have to like look underneath that again. Um, you know, you go to the simple external, the complex kind of emotional expressions um, and internal life. Um, but I think underlying that, you know, you can find a real simplicity, an internal simplicity of um, these uh, devotees are living for the sole purpose of pleasing Krishna. I mean, just cut and dry. Just, just simple. If Krishna's pleased, I'm pleased, and that's that's the end. Um, there's no ulterior kind of different motives that are weaving in and um, distracting one, taking one here and there. Um, they're they have the same goal every day. How how can I please Krishna? How can I please Krishna today? Um, And I think another thing that's important to remember too is when we talk about these relationships in the spiritual realm, it can be complex to talk about. You know, you have all these terms and words and um, <laughs> but I mean, it's really just expressing the, the love between a friend and a friend or between lovers, between parent and child. So, it's one thing to talk about. It's another to like actually experience it um, because the mind, I mean, the minds are active in Braj, um, but it's not the way our minds are active. Um, we're having to think and understand all these types of um, theology, the, uh, theological concepts. Um, again, the minds are active just to please Krishna. It's a very kind of natural, I think natural, um, you know, ragatmika means like natural inborn affection for Krishna. I think natural and simplicity are very much tied together. Um, when something feels natural, um, it comes simply, simply to one. Um, so we can say in that way the, the Vajbasis and of course the extending to um, the Navadvipasis. Uh, the eternal, eternal associates of um, of Krishna, of Mahaprabhu, um, have a very kind of simple uh, core of just wanting to, of just loving and wanting to please Krishna. Um, so that's important. Again, it's important to see 
the expression of these things in, um, in our goal. Um, and they'll, of course, they'll take new shapes. They'll um, express themselves in new ways, um, like humility or simplicity, any of these things. It's not gonna be the same way. I mean, we'd hope not. <laughs> we'd hope it's growing. We'd hope it's um, evolving. But to not think that this is different, that this is just some interim thing that I'll give up. Uh, now this, this thing is a, like a cornerstone of our devotion that we're cultivating um, for, for her, um, for our eternal identity, eternal, eternal service, um, very important. Um, so turning to Prahlad, um, how is he simple? <laughs> Uh, why, why have I chosen him to explore the uh, the concept, the um, idea of um, the quality of simplicity? Um, well, on, a, <laughs> on an overt level, he's a child, um, which seems kind of silly to mention. Um, yeah, he's a child, so he must be simple. But I think it's important um, that in this Leela, he, um, of course, you know, he grows into the, the great Prahlad Maharaj, who's a king and stuff. But in this Leela, um, as we see in the Bhagavatam, um, he's the child of Hiranyakashipu, and he's still, I mean, just a young child, um, still in early school. And I think um, it's part of the reason why the story is so powerful um, because, because of his innocence, childlike nature um, and kind of the simplicity that he conducts himself that comes along with that. Um, you wouldn't accept, expect to see such um, uh, um, powerful results. Um, I guess like the power, the power behind simplicity, the, the power behind his innocence, um, I think is a, uh, a powerful element of the story. Um, it reminds me of the story of Raghunandan Thakur, um, who as an associate of Mahaprabhu, but I think in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's described how as a young boy, his father uh, had to go out, uh, had some work. So he left him and he said, make an offering to the deity um, while I'm gone. And when I come back, we can all, we can eat. Um, so he did as his father asked. Um, and when his father came back, he found that the offering, the ladu, had a bite in it. Um, and so the father, what, what, <laughs> the father said, what is this? <laughs> you haven't even waited till I came back to eat? And he said, no, I wasn't, I wasn't the one who ate it. 
repudiated Alpha, repudiate the, the Ladu. Um, and the father was thinking, this, this boy doesn't understand. The deity eats with his eyes. <laughs> See, the father kind of knew the whole tattva, um, the complexities of it. It's like the deity doesn't actually eat. The deity glances and all his senses can perform the activities of any other sense. So through his eyes, just through seeing the offering, um, the, the deity tastes and accepts the offering. Um, um, but in such a way that the food is remains and the devotees can take the remnants. Um, so the father thought, this boy doesn't understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand the way you offer food. Um, and clearly he's eating it himself. Um, so he, he, I think Raghunandan's kind of stuck to his story. Or it's the father was a little surprised he didn't kind of back down. He said, no, the, the deity ate the ladu. Um, so the father said, okay, then you can make the offering again. So the next day, um, the father went out again, but actually hid behind like the corner of the, um, of the room uh, with the idea that the child Raghunandan would make the offering again. So when the time came, Raghunandan offered the ladu and um, and the deity came down and, and took a bite. Um, and the father, <laughs> the father caught him, the deity <laughs> went back. And so they, it's a very, um, um, it's a very, uh, it's become a, a pilgrimage, I think, for people to go see this half-eaten ladu, um, to see how the devotion of, of Raghunandan could move the Lord in such a way. And, um, yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a good story, um, because we, we can get so, um, limited. I, I mean, I, I'd like, how can I say, like the, the Siddhanta of all these aspects of bhakti, um, are extremely, extremely important. Um, but we just have to be very careful that they're not, we, we understand um, their fullest expression, I should say, um, and where they're taking us. And so this idea of like, you know, you offer to the, the deity and the deity um, will, will taste the food with his eyes. And through that, he'll accept the offering and, and um, but Raghunandan, in his simplicity, said, "No, the deity should eat. I want to. See, the deity needs to eat." So he <laughs> he called the deity and made the deity come and eat. So I I think it's it's important to see how um, we are um, I mean, really, we're learning all this tattva, all this siddhanta, um, so that we can just ask the deity to come eat, just simply and uh, straightforward. <laughs> um, and he will, and he will come and eat the, um, the ladu. Um,
one one um, nice verse from the tenth chapter of the seventh canto. It's after Nirshimha um, tells Prahlad. Um, again, we're <laughs> we're going to the very end, but it's it's a nice verse, and I think it would be good to bring up now. Um, after Nishringa says, please accept some benediction. It's, it's what I do, I'm God. And you've pleased me beyond measure. So I want to give you something. And Prahlad says, I don't want anything. <laughs> I mean, I just want devotion to you. Um, but if, if there's one thing, I guess you can, you can give devotion. Uh, bless my father who is caught up in this, um, this wave of enviousness, um, enmity for you having killed his brother. Um, so I give bhakti to him. And so in response to that, Nishringha says, Bhavanti parusha loke madbhaktas tvam anubhata bhavan me kalu bhaktanam Salvation Patirupa Dik. And the translation is this is Nishingha speaking to Prahlad. Those who follow your example will naturally become my pure devotees. You are the best example of my devotee, and others should follow in your footsteps. Um, So this kind of connects back to the original idea of Prahlad as like a, um, a foundational uh, figure, a foundational example for sadhikas to look to, um, kind of in pursuit of whatever Whatever, whatever rasa they're pursuing, Prahlad will be a very, Prahlad will be the best example. <laughs> so Nishinga says, and actually um, interesting in, uh, in the word by word translation, um, this is from database. Um, it says, Bhaktanam Sarvesham. Patirupadik. Uh, so bhaktanam means of all devotees. Sarvesha means in different mellows. And patirupadik uh, is translated as tangible example. So of all devotees <laughs> in different mellows. Um, so the idea being. Um, uh, Dasya bhaktas, Sakya bhaktas, Patsaya bhaktas, Madhurya bhaktas. Of all devotees, um, Nishringha is saying, and of course Nishringha has, <laughs> has a little bias here. This is, um, I mean, he's uh, Prahlad's Ishtadevata, so naturally he has deep, deep affection for Prahlad, uh, and this is manifesting. But I don't think we should overemphasize that bias. I think, um, 
I think we should take Shringa's word here, where he says, of all devotees and all different mellows, I think you're the best example for, um, for devotees to follow. Um, because it's tangible. That was the word by word, tangible example. Um, and connecting to the kind of the main theme of um, these classes, the, the tangible example we're gonna be looking at is Prahlad's simplicity. Um, and how simplicity, and I guess two ways, how simplicity can be broken down into different elements, different qualities we see in Prahlad that, that contribute, that manifest his simplicity that are kind of um, foundational parts of his simplicity, his simple hearted devotion. I, I connected it with the heart I mean, you could say simple-minded devotion, um, I guess. But again, it comes back to that kind of idea of natural. I think simplicity is very much tied with like a naturalness, um, very harmonious. Um, and there's an ease to it. Um, there should be an ease to simplicity. And I think, <laughs> I mean, in the face of great, great, <laughs> catastrophes, um, great um, attacks to kill him. And uh, I mean, from the most powerful material person uh, here on Yakashipu, um, with such ease, Pallad responds, um, such simple, simple uh, responses that. Um, I mean, you just feel like this, this just isn't a, a mental thing he's doing. This is really, this is really integrated into his heart, the simplicity. Uh, it's really just a natural kind of simplicity. So we'll be breaking down, because um, for him, it's natural. Um, or I should say for him, it's, um, um, it's perfected. Um, for him, this is fully in place, these elements of, that are fostering his simplicity. Uh, the four ones that really stood out to me that we'll um, unpack and look at certain verses that either Prahlad speaks or others speak about him in the next four classes. Uh, the four elements or four qualities of Prahlad that I found were very prominent in him and also very much connected to his uh, simple hearted devotion. Um, first one was his detachment, which kind of is like a corollary or his fearlessness. Um, so those are, that'll probably be the first one we explore. The second one we'll explore is that Prahlad doesn't waste time. <laughs> um, I mean, from, <laughs> from the womb, he was um, engaging in bhakti. Um, so definitely not wasting time. Um, 
Prahlad is, uh, has universal compassion. Um, he doesn't see friends and enemies. This comes up a lot, this idea of friends and enemies, um, especially when Prahlad's talking to his other classmates, schoolmates, um, trying to share with them why um, um, why why you should serve God <laughs> pretty much why you should uh, cultivate devotion um, and we can see you know towards the end also he he um, his one petition to Nishinha is to bless his father who's just been trying to kill him <laughs> for like uh, his whole life uh, you could say um, once he found out who he actually was <laughs> once I mean imagine that once your father finds out once you feel comfortable to like fully share who you are with your father uh, your mother um, what what really moves you in life what you like your father just decides okay I'll I don't like that I you um, you're not my son and I'll, I'll try and kill you so um, Prahlad wasn't in a, a space to um, to see him as an enemy. Uh, he didn't have it in him. Um, and so naturally, um, he was a friend to everyone. So naturally his compassion even extended to that, the darkest, <laughs> the darkest and heaviest um, authority figure in his life. So we'll explore universal compassion. And then in the last class, we'll explore Prahlad's uh, one-pointed desire. Um, and I think this, of course, is you could see the other three um, elements coming from this, his one-pointed desire to serve God, to serve uh, Nishinha Krishna. Um, and how um, that is of such a nature. I mean, just what that is, is that um, because that's in place, naturally he's detached. Naturally he doesn't waste time. Naturally he has universal compassion. Um, so, here we're, sorry, one sec. I'm being called, I'll just let Gordon know that. I'll be right back. Gordon, I'm giving class. He was very sorry, but it's his birthday today, so he, he shouldn't be sorry. You can all wish Gore happy birthday. Um, I haven't done so yet. Um, so, yeah, the nature of this bhakti, um, of Prahlad's one-pointed desire um, to serve God, how that one desire um, creates these others' beautiful qualities in him, and how all of these combine, I think, to... Um, to showcase and uh, foster his, his simple heartedness. Um, 
and how we can um, take his example and we'll also explore um, ways in which as sadhikas we could understand these qualities and try to integrate them into our our own uh, our own sadness, our own lives, um, to bring simplicity, um, so that our um, uh, I mean, I think purity too is very connected with the idea of simplicity. So, you know, trying to somehow bring these elements into our life so that we can. Um, make simple, simple, heartfelt, pure offerings um, to Guru, um, to Garanga, Krishna. Um, and um, I think that is really important because as I mentioned before this, um, Bhakti does, especially in our form of bhakti, it gets very layered, um, very layered with different bhavas and uh, emotions and relationships and, um, and the tattva expressing all that. Um, but I think to have a foundation of simplicity, um, to be simple in one's dealings, simple in one's heart, simple in one's approach, um, allows one to embrace those kind of more nuanced, layered, complex, you could even say, um, indirect, hidden. <laughs> I mean, all these kind of non-simple, you can embrace those in a simple way, uh, with simplicity, with a simple, simple desire, simple intention. Um, and those may move you in layered, complex ways, but there'll be a foundation. Um, I guess in that way, I'm kind of com connecting simplicity to Sharanagati. Um, there'll be a kind of a simple foundation that those um, higher feeling expressions can rest on, um, develop on, express themselves on um, without over <laughs> overwhelming one. Um, or even, I mean, it's not even... By overwhelm, I mean like um, um, again. It comes back to like if if you're um, if the material web um, if one's very materially layered, um, very complex and, and um, not simple, straightforward, then then these higher layers, complexities will be hard to understand um, what to speak of, enter into. I mean, you, you can't if, if you have these layers and complexities of surrounding um, the Atma um, um, with different kind of samskars, material samskars and so forth. Um, and, you know, one thing that I think I forgot to mention, but I think is important is again, this idea of um, coming back to this idea of to, 
to really identify with it and to, um, yeah, it's a really identify, that's the right word, to really identify with something. It's important to see it in the final goal. Um, and one uh, example of that is Guru Bhakti. And Guru Bhakti is so central to our tradition. Um, there's actually a really nice part in Sacred Preface. Um, I believe it's the first chapter um, where Krishna's Kaviraj pays obeisance to Guru, Guru's plural. And Guru Maharaj talks about the, how one will see the Guru according to one's advancement in bhakti, according to one's eligibility. Um, and it's, I'd love him to write like a whole book about that. It's a very interesting topic, but it's, you know, the same principle is there, Guru Bhakti. Um, of course, in like a basic way, we see it in Gurashtakam where the guru is first Sakshadhari, uh, directly God, manifestation of, <laughs> of God. Um, and, and then he says, kintu paboya priyeva tasya. So, but, and the, <laughs> the but's like, you're advancing. But guru is also very dear to God. Um, and so this kind of direct, the guru being Krishna himself, um, that develops into the guru is very dear to Krishna. Um, so the guru is a devotee um, of Krishna. And, and that um, guru bhakti is like, it's not like the disciple <laughs> does guru bhakti um, in one stage and then leaves it in the next once he finds a guru is just a disciple or a devotee. Um, but no, it becomes, it, it, it progresses, it develops, um, and that continually develops. Um, what does it mean that the guru is dear to Krishna? Um, guru is dear to Krishna in this specific way. Um, the guru has a certain affinity. The guru um, has a certain, you know, role model, these different types of uh, aspects of who the guru is. And so, um, I think it's a nice example because it's one reason why we identify with Guru Bhakti so strongly in our tradition, because it's in the final goal. Um, in in Braj or Gorilila, we'll have a group leader. Um, I mean, a kind of a, <laughs> a bit uh, a Nitya Siddha group leader, like Subal or so forth, um, or a group of Manjari. but we'll also have a um, kind of a microcosmic uh, group leader in the form of um, one's guru and um, the guru that one's identified with and followed into the, um, <laughs> that, one, that the guru's pulled, pulled into the, the leela with him um, through his mercy. So, because it has an eternal expression 
you know, not the same um, as it expresses itself here. It develops, of course, in such a way that um, the relationship, you know, grew and um, the disciple relationship is uh, dasya with a tinge of sakya. Um, so you could say, like, in the ultimate expression, it would be more sakya with a tinge of dasya. Um, there, would, there would be more kind of um, uh, trust and equality in, in that relationship. But still, that relationship extends itself all the way um, to Vraj, to Gorlila. So I, I think that's part of the reason why devotees identify with it so much. So similarly, if we can really identify with these foundational qualities um, and see their ultimate expression in Braj. Um, and as I said, you know, it's, it can be a little hard, as I said, the simplicity of gopis talking to, to Krishna. I mean, read like some of the Leela Grantas by the Goswamis and you won't even know <laughs> what they're saying. It's so layered. Um, this Parokshavad, this kind of indirect speech has thousands of meanings, um, but they're all pleasing to Krishna, every single one of them. Um, and I think, and I can think of it kind of like there's happiness and suffering, the happiness of the separation. Um, I think in the beginning, it's that's pretty difficult for a lot of devotees to relate with. Um, in time, I think it becomes more understandable how the separation, the lamentation of um, spiritual suffering, how that truly is one of the highest um, expressions of, of Ananda, of Prem, and how it is so solely blissful. Um, I think in a similar way, you could say, you know, see some of these foundational qualities. Um, you could see the humility <laughs> when Radha is rebuking Krishna, the simplicity, um, coming back to our the simplicity in these layered dealings. And I mean, especially in Gorlila as well. Um, there it's a lot more over um, simple, simple, uh, of course, you know, it becomes layered as well, but. Um, so, yeah, we'll try to, in these next four classes, I get five classes this month, so <laughs> unlucky, unlucky for you guys. Um, but maybe we can, maybe Prahlad will share some mercy with us and we'll find um, simple, um, identifiable and far-reaching um, inspiration from exploring his qualities and devotion in the context of the Pralajari as given in Srimad Bhagavatam. So 
that's all I have for today in this introduction. Um, thank you for joining me. I appreciate all those who tuned in and all those who will be listening um, to the recorded version. So yeah, my gratefulness. Um, and I guess if anyone has any uh, questions um, from anything I said, um, you're welcome to share now or comments, um, thoughts, anything in relation to this class. Okay, well, I guess we'll end there and um, I'll see you guys next week. Haribo. Thank you, Haribo. Thank you. Thank you. Haribo. Thank you. Haribo. Thank you. Haribo.